It is five minutes past ten o'clock. It is a Thursday morning. My name is Africa Milana standing in for um, Yusibis Mukhesa, who is away until Monday. He's doing some business in KwaZulu Natal. I'll be in your company until twelve noon today, where we take your calls on 021-446-0567 or 1188-30702. Your SMS is to three one five six seven and to three one seven zero two. Shortly, we'll be talking to Anna Trebido, who is a food anthropologist, a chef, and an author, and we'll be talking about the history. History of the Cook sister and the Ku sister, and obviously drawing differences and similarities between the two um, uniquely South African uh, product and just memory and just good feeling and incredible sweetness, all of that rolled into one. In the second half of the show, I will be asking you what authentic South African dish takes you to that moment. To that feeling, to that memory, to that uh, yumminess. What, what, what is it? Is it something that your mom, your dad used to cook for you? Something that you used to buy in a store around the corner? Um, even, even cuisine that you have tried and anticipated that you were actually not going to like it. You're going to be revolted by it. And then you tasted it and thought, actually, this is not too bad. I will confess one thing. Uh, umpogoko, which is putu with sour milk, is a wonderful delight. Um, not only Kosa people in South Africa, but many other people as well enjoy it. All it is is maize meal in water, um, that has been cooked to a crumble and then you serve it with sour milk. There's absolutely nothing spectacular about it. There's n- probably little nutritional value in it also. It just comes with such great association and great feeling. It's family, it's mother, it's beautiful smells, it's playing games, catching up on gossip and all those wonderful things. And because of that, Umpogoko is without a doubt one of my favorite, favorite dishes in the world. And I do have quite a sophisticated palate. So I'm a person who's able to appreciate complex tastes. But it is something that is so closely associated with myself and my family that it is without a doubt one of my favorites. We'll be taking your calls after half past 10. 7.02 and Cape Talk. But let's first understand the Cook sister and the Cook sister. Joining me on the line is food anthropologist, chef and author, Anna Trebido. Anna, very good morning. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. But I have to say, you know, I don't come from an umpokoko background at all. And yet I completely get it. You know, the moment that you put a mouthful of that crumbly meal and the sour milk, you know that means love. That even palates that didn't grow up with it understand in a moment that that is the taste of, of love and comfort. I went to a restaurant once, Anna, where they did a zhuzhed up version of it and I thought, oh, let me try it. I literally lasted one spoonful and I said, please take this back because it has, okay. it does absolutely nothing to take me back to no my love. wonderful memory. None whatsoever. I mean, I can deal with people <laughs> adding a bit of, a bit of butter into it. Uh, obviously mm. it comes out of the pot, it's hot and you're supposed to cool it down and then a blob of good quality butter and you sort of, um, Take it through the, the, the putu while it's still warm as you're cooling mm. it down. It adds a different flavor, uh, to what you're enjoying. The trick always though is good quality mass. If, if your sour milk yes. is dodgy, you're going to have a horrible experience. And look, I actually made proper mass with, um, raw milk this year in a calabash. And you know, what I got out, it was so rich and creamy. It was almost like butter. You know, it was just magnificent. So I think good quality mass is South Africa's great fresh cheese. And, 
you know, that, that what gets sold in supermarkets is often a travesty of the form. It truly but, is. Um, it truly is. Yeah. I, I know somebody, a, somebody. A, f- a foodie in Cape Town who took uh, mass and turned it into uh, um, a cream cheese. <sighs> it was beautiful. Mm. It was absolutely beautiful. But no, it has, and I really nice Cook Sisters, you know, that, that for those of us that find, you know, I love Cook Sisters and Cook Sisters, but after one bite, I think, okay, now this is too sweet for me and I need an espresso. <laughs> but the other thing that works really well is if you've got a great dollop of, of mass curds, um, you know, it somehow breaks the sweetness. It does. Um, so you can have two mouthfuls rather than just the one. Um, L- let's start with the Cook Sister. That's the twisty one. With two Ks. Generally uh, yes. uh, harder, I suppose, and drenched in the sweet, sweet syrup. What you've got is you've got these two um, little cookies that, you know, that they, they're almost, you know, they're, they're, there's an added K. So you've got a cook sister with two Ks and a coo sister with, with one K. Um, and, you know, they, they come slightly different shapes. So a cook sister is the twisted one, sometimes plaited, but I think that's cheating, that, that the skill is in the twisting, that... Um, that a cook sister with two Ks has a crunchy outside and you get that because what you've done is you've deep fried your little twist and then you've plunged the, the hot, hot so that you give yourself blisters, cook sister, into ice, ice cold syrup. And that is the trick to the crunch, that if you don't have ice cold syrup, you just get soggy cook sisters and there's no point in such a thing. So they've got this crackingly crisp crust. And, you know, then they, because they've been plunged into the syrup, they are sort of crisp on the outside, but like drenched in, in this rich, you know, almost icky sweet syrup that you, you need to, yeah, it's, you have to have a tolerance for a very high level of sugar. Um, whereas a sister, which is, you know, that you see them, you almost only ever get them in Cape Town. There are a couple of places in Kauteng where, you know, homesick Cape Townians can, can go, but they are shaped, they're sort of like slightly flattened ovals that the dough, which starts off quite similar, has got spices in it that you don't find in the cook system. So mm. it's got often ground nachi peel and cardamom and ginger and, you know, every lady will have her, every auntie has her own spice um, blend and often that's a secret spice blend. But essentially a cook sister is, is spicier. And then once it's been deep fried, you, you almost you poach it in the, the syrup rather than sort of plunging it in and out the way you do with a cook sister. Um, so the texture is quite different, that it's sort of spongier and plumper. And, and then what you do right at the last minute is you take it out of that syrup and you roll it in coconut. Correct. Because and if it doesn't have that, then it's not a cook sister. No, and, and I think that, uh, you know, in all ways, once it's been rolled in coconut, it's proof of the existence of God. It is just the most beautiful thing. Um, again, I can have like about, I can eat one, and then I need a cup of coffee. Um, but that's, you know, I'm very aware that talking about either Cook Sisters or Cool Sisters in an English accent is, <laughs> you know, bound to, there's going to be all sorts of people all over the country who are enormously irritated already, and um, <laughs> apologies in advance. But I'm aware that the fact that I find them very overwhelmingly sweet is that I didn't grow up with them. Um, that it's it's a taste that you need to have you know, learned how to love, really. But so I can see that they're delicious, but after a mouthful, I've had enough. 
Where do they come from? Um, the let's start with the the Cook sister with the two Ks. Um, is it a uniquely <laughs> South African uh, product, or does it is it an evolution of something that I suppose the Dutch brought into South Africa when they came here in the 1600s? As with all of these things, it's sort of lost in the mist of time. And if you really want to see old ladies start boxing each other, um, you, you start a conversation with which comes first, a cook sister or a coo sister. And then you step back and watch old ladies fight each other to the death, practically. Um, that it's, it's hard to say, you know, food is a, you know, all, it's a form of material culture and humans borrow from each other all the time that undoubtedly both cook sisters and coo sisters are part of overlapping fusion foods that were born at the Cape. So, you know, what we think of as either Cape Dutch or, you know, sort of Cape Border, or, you know, sort of Cape Border course, um, which we think of as sort of white Afrikaans-speaking cooks, um, and Cape Malay food, which we think of as, as brown Afrikaans-speaking cooks. But those are overlapping fusion food forms that um, they have elements of Asian ancestry, elements of European ancestry, elements of African ancestry, and that they are actually quite unique. That quite often what people are trying to do is find an exact thing in either Asia or Europe that um, you can say, oh, you see, it came in 1652 and it was already there. There are no direct antecedents for either a cook sister or a coo sister in either Europe or Asia. But there are things that are similar. But if you look at something like a jalebi, for instance, um, which is that little sort of Arab swirly um, thing. You know, that's, the Arabs quite often deep fry and Asians, they quite often deep fry and then dip in syrup um, with confectionery. That is quite an Arab way of cooking. Um, but then, you know, the Dutch who had such a long history in the East Indies, they quite often like deep fry things and dip in syrup too. So there are similar kinds of things in both cultures, but there is not a direct replica that both cook sisters and crew sisters, you know, are clearly born at the Cape um, and are uniquely South African things. They certainly like are. The people, really, and the language, you know, that, that they are the equivalent of Afrikaans. You know, it's got elements of Dutch, it's got elements of Malay and Javanese and all sorts of things in it, but it, it, it's a uniquely South African thing. It certainly is. Anna Trebido is my guest. She's a food anthropologist, a chef and author. We're talking about cook sisters and coos sisters. And I love this tweet from Matlodi Malope saying, Coos sister is a twisted, uh, twisted, uh, sugar filled, oil drenched, glorified igwingyawena. My test buds are not a fan of these potent delicacies, she says. It's now 19 minutes past 10 o'clock. We're having a conversation about Cook Sisters and Goose Sisters uh, with Anna Trapida, food anthropologist, chef and author. And I absolutely love this message I have just received. It says Zaa, Z-A-A, I'm presuming that's your name, saying, hi Africa, Goose Sisters is the best. I can eat a dozen uh, plus in one sitting with full milk coffee. It's the best but needs to be drowned in syrup and served hot. Now I'm hungry, says Zaa on the SMS slide. Um, and Anna, you sort of alluded to it earlier, that the sweetness of both products requires you to have something that's going to cut away at that sweetness. And I imagine a full mug of coffee with lots of milk will certainly do the trick. Well, you know, that's just me. You know, I think that, that hardened cook sister and crew sister uh, eaters um, 
who, you know, grew up with such things are probably, you know, have much higher tolerance for the sweetness that um, I, I know people. I have a friend in Cape Town who can easily eat her way through an entire bag of Crew Sisters on a Sunday morning. Um, so um, I, I don't know that that's, that's everyone. But I, what I, I liked your tweet earlier from the lady that said that Cook sisters are, yeah, they're just a kind of maguinia dripped into And you know, look, I think she's wrong about that. But what she is right about is like maguinia and fet cook are the same story, aren't they? That, that this is about fusion food um, where people, you know, there are slight differences around the edges. But essentially, these are, we are, as a, as a country, you know, South Africans have a history. They live next door to each other. They look in each other's pots. They share flavors and things mutate and evolve. And they, you know, that, that these are absolutely related forms. And what South Africans so often are looking for is differences. But they're so determined to see the differences, they don't notice that there are so many similarities in the South African flavor repertoire that when you go abroad and you look at the way other people eat, you think, gosh, but all South Africans do these sort of similar things, regardless of how different they think they are. And, and often, I think Maguinia and Fedcook is an example of that. And often, and I mean, and I suppose relating to a Maguinia and Fedcook, we often forget that often these delicacies come as a result of women primarily making a plan. Um, if you think of Malva pudding, it's sort of leftover mm. stuff in the kitchen that somebody put together and decided to make a sponge cake out of it. And yet, every respectable South African restaurant now will be serving a version of uh, Malva pudding. Fet cook is that leftover dough, effectively, from whatever they would have been preparing for the household where they were employed, deciding to deep fry that and to have it as as a way of you know, drenching sauce in your plate or whatever uh, would be the case. And I imagine if one, um, you know, were to go into whatever is written about cook sisters and good sisters, there is an element of that where we take what we have in our homes, we mix a couple of things together, and we make a plan. And look, the humans are not stupid. All over the world, um, whether it be the American South or, you know, wherever, Deep fried is delicious. It might be bad for you, but it, it's almost invariably delicious. Um, so that's a sort of common human tray that that, um, that cooking method makes the yum. It makes the cheap yum. And if you look at the both Coo Sisters and Cook Sisters, it is cheap. You know, that it's a very simple, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a complicated, basically flour and, you know, butter or margarine and a bit of milk and a bit of baking powder. Um, that the... The flavor comes, A, in the cooking method, and then in the syrup. So, you know, whether you've put nachi peel into that syrup or cardamom or whatever it is, and everybody's got their own things. But, um, yeah, it, it is. It's, this is relatively cheap cooking um, from people who, you know, didn't have, you know, they, they, this is pre-supermarkets. You couldn't just rush out and go out and buy vanilla essence and all of those things, that these are people making a plan. Uh, somebody uh, writing on the WhatsApp line, the best is warm cook sisters with double thick cream. I dare not give my name, she says on the yeah. WhatsApp line. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Anna, are there, are there any... She's 
still alive. <laughs> exactly. Um, we, yeah. <laughs> the two products are not necessarily associated with ceremonies, are they? I mean, um, the uh, Muslim faith, for example, have just come out of Ramadan, and you know that on the mm. 15th day of the holy month, uh, buba is what is served, and you get mm. to have mm. these beautiful cups of buba that are shared with friends and family. Um, the 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 cook sister and the cook sister they don't have any particular significance as far as ceremony is concerned um easter eggs are generally eaten in easter for example even though now we yeah. tend to appreciate them throughout the year the way that the whole crisp bun um has just sort of become a, a generalized thing and look i think that for both communities um both cape malay and sort of white Afrikaners at the cape uh, that Sunday morning says cook sisters and crew sisters that um, that obviously they they are delicious so they turn up at other events as well but they aren't saved only for specific times of year that um, they tend to be a Sunday morning thing um, and there is a woman I, I just I I'm so in love with her her name is Soraya Esop and she is in Woodstock. And on Sunday morning, she, for at least 25 years, has been making crucifixes, so the little oval ones with the coconut. Um, and she sells them out of her house. And just the sociology, it's so wonderful because, like, everybody's there. That, you know, there's Trevor Manuel and, like, Rusters with no teeth. And, you know, it's just sort of, you think, well, here is Cape Town, that everybody is waiting on the sofa at Auntie Soraya's house um, for the Christmas to come out. Um, but it, that's only Sunday mornings. And that's a sentiment shared by Gail as well, saying, my dad uh, used to uh, work with a Malay gentleman. One of my fondest memories of my childhood was of going to Sally's home on a Sunday morning with a Pyrex dish. Uh, we would yeah. return home with a full dish of Kuh sisters, and I would have the warm dish on my lap. The smell of the spices on the car had me hooked for life, says Gail. On well, the I'm WhatsApp amazed line. that she had the discipline to, to get them home, um, that... Um, I don't know any children in my house that would be able to, to do the car journey without breaking open the lid of the Tupperware and raiding them. <laughs> but yeah, so I think Sunday mornings, but that they, more than anything, Sunday mornings with a newspaper and a cup of coffee and, and a kind of little paper bag full of Cook Sisters or Cook Sisters is a very fine thing. But, you know, often Afrikaans style fate, especially in Gauteng in the Northwest, um, you find cook sisters and, you know, a good cook sister, I know that we're sort of raving about cook sisters, but a good cook sister with that perfect crunch is both a very skilled thing to do and, you know, a magnificent thing. You know, they are very, very delicious. I often come across cook sisters, the uh, twisted one drenched in syrup, obviously mm. at very fancy stores and restaurants and stuff. And even then, they don't really make them as well as would an Afrikaans woman in Balville or Durbanville, for example. Funny. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that, that you have to, quite often you find the perfect cook sister at a farm stall in the middle of nowhere. It's like between, I don't know, Otuan and Calvinia or something. And you think, okay, I have, this is proof of the existence of God. And then you can't go back because it's just too far away. That, that I think that the skill that you really have to, it's one of those things that need your mother and your grandmother to teach you how to do it, that there's a kind of apostolic succession of women teaching other women. And that when chefs try and do it, 
you know, like, I mean, I make okay cooked sisters, you know, but um, I know the technique, I've watched people do it, and, and I understand that the syrup must be ice cold and all of that, but mine are never as good as just the, you know, the proper auntie at the farm store. Uh, we are going to be taking calls for the second half of this hour, so you can start dialing on 021-446-0567-011-883-0702 and share with me that authentically South African cuisine that you really cannot do without. Uh, particularly, and this happens often when you're traveling the world, right? And you've been away from home for a long time. Maybe you are deployed to another part of the planet for six months or to a year or whatever, and you really miss that Mrs. Ball's chutney, for example. For me, that yeah. thing is always mild the pudding. I came across a recipe by one Kaz Abrams, which is the best recipe yes. for Marvel pudding ever in the world. And I've seen her since uh, declaring this on the radio. And she knows that I butcher it by adding a bit of port okay. wine into the Marvel at the end, which just makes it just glorious and tasty. With, uh, when you put the sort of custard on, the sauce, you, you yeah. put port into your custard. Correct, okay, yeah. Right. And then and then if I'm naughty, I'll add a few more droplets onto the actual sponge cake that's just come out of the oven. It just gives okay. it a bit more oomph. I right. don't, I don't I drink mean, alcohol, Anna, but I eat it. That. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I sometimes put brandy into my malfa sauce. So um, I think we can be yeah, kind of malfa pudding murderers together. <laughs> but but malfa pudding's history is also completely fascinating, and that, but that's a whole show on its own. And I think South Africans don't understand how magnificent and special a mouthful pudding is, is that they think everybody makes this thing. And then, you know, if you go to other countries, they make sponge, but they don't make anything no. like, you know, a mouthful, it's called a mouthful because its texture is like a mouthful lecker, like, mm. a, like a marshmallow. And that spongy texture is just beyond wonderful, wonderful. And, and really, that's, that's a kind of classic South African mouthfeel. It's supposed to be light and drenched in indulgence and decadence and you're supposed to enjoy every spoonful and sometimes even our South African chefs get it wrong where they serve you a stodgy heavy thing with yeah. some custard and cream which just doesn't do the trick and I thank no, you yeah. very much for starving all of us this morning okay <laughs> <laughs> I will chat to you soon we must have a mouthful pudding session you and I we must indeed and a tributor has to go to a meeting now a food anthropologist chef and author talking to us about Coos sisters and cook sisters what South African dish that really just defines who we are in your opinion that you cannot live without give me a call at 021-446-0567-011-883-0702 and if you can share a secret tip that you can um, I suppose have have all South Africans enjoying their, I don't know, damati briedi, for example, with a different twist or whatever the case may be. Uh, this is the time to do it. 021-446-0567-011-883-0702. The time now, this Thursday morning, is half past 10. And Aurelie Kalinga, you've got the latest from Eyewitness News. Good morning.